0: Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome back to If I Only Knew. Today is number three in our three-part series on the metaverse. How are you, Matt?
1: Hello, Fred. I'm doing very well, thanks. Energized by an interesting conversation.
0: Absolutely. So far, we've talked about the concept of the metaverse, this virtual space. Last time, we kind of got into our ethical concerns and some of the objections people have to the metaverse, the corporatization, the ownership of the metaverse itself. Today we want to talk about what this kind of virtual technology allows us in terms of human evolution the development and the progression of our species and i find this stuff more satisfying to talk about than perhaps the downfalls and the pitfalls mm. so matt i want to start with something that i've seen from my own field of will indulge me which is the idea of psychology awesome those will know that you know sort of one in four one in five adults will experience an, uh, a clinical episode or a clinical level of depression and anxiety at some point in their adult life with those that are, are probably the most clinically affected, particularly around things like anxiety, certain conditions can be quite debilitating. And the one I use most often is agoraphobia or this idea of social isolation. Yeah. Now, when we start to talk about treating people in that space, one of the benefits of virtual reality is the idea of an introduction into reintegrating into the real world. I use the word real in inverted commas because if you're <laughs> doing it, it's real through a virtual space Mm. and it's a it's an agile technique called exposure therapy but exposure therapy is a bit rough and tough whereas the virtual space allows us to be exposed to those triggers in a very clinically controlled very balanced way with a lot of data coming back to the clinician and a lot more control over the process for the participant and in that regard i think this metaverse has huge treatment potential Mm. exponential treatment potential not to replace what we do in the real world but to get us ready to reintegrate and the other thing I saw, Matt, that just had me really excited when I did my reading on this, when you gave me my homework, I went out and I looked. And <laughs> one of the things I'm really enjoying about this is this interaction between the metaverse and different technologies, for example, 3D printing. Right. Did yeah. you know, Matt, that we can? They, they predict that in the next decade, they will remove the need to use cadavers, which is a nice word for dead bodies, mm and allow medical students to learn their craft through the metaverse and 3D-printed lifelike organs and veins and viscera and all the other stuff. Wow! So, So picture your surgeon, which a lot of surgeries are done now through technology that doesn't require them to to cut into you like they did in the 1800s. We're talking about robotic surgeries, AI-assisted surgery. But imagine learning all of that stuff in an environment where a mistake didn't cost a life. And more importantly, a mistake didn't mean that you were discarding some person's limb that donated their body to science post-mortem. I think in that regard, we allow ourselves to explore without risk some of the really detailed idiosyncrasies of human condition with a view to treatment with a view to restoration and repair and and i just can't wait to see a day where i could have somebody given homework if you like that included them walking through a forest or a field and doing that and tracking that their heart rate, their their breathing their galvanic skin response
1: without them needing to leave a chair. I think it's really really cool. Mm -hmm. Am I being too optimistic Matt? No look I think that that's absolutely what this promises right? Especially like the whole education side of things. That was what I wanted to bring as the kind of the, the primary good that I've seen and been convinced by is that you can teach people new things with this in a really effective way and you can teach them things that couldn't be taught through technology before right like I think that the internet the two-dimensional internet that we have right now you can read stuff maybe you can see images if you've got a good textbook or whatever right but it's so much harder to actually experience something and experiential learning is absolutely crucial right Um, maybe the metaverse lets us do that experiential learning through technology which would be fantastic and that whole idea of, of being able to treat people through the metaverse seems really exciting to me as well. I I obviously don't have the the clinical experience that you do, Fred, but I can totally imagine the ways that you could use the kind of blurred lines between physical and virtual reality to really help a lot of people who, who have challenges that they're dealing with in their lives as well, yeah.
0: There's absolutely a precursor to this and it doesn't involve true VR, but during lockdowns, we saw companies like Peloton Get very popular because you weren't just cycling on an exercise bike, but you were joining a leg of the Tour de France on the Pyrenees with 10 of your mates.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, and I think that when we start to look at the capacity to socially engage, bearing in mind that, you know, you've probably got friends and I I, I do that are on the other side of the world Mm. and engage in an activity, something that's a little bit competitive, maybe a virtual soccer game or maybe, you know, a running challenge or a marathon across the Gobi Desert. Uh We're not kidding ourselves into believing that we're there, but we're enhancing an experience of what we might be doing on a treadmill and creating a social space do you see that as the sort of thing that you know you're a basketball
1: player have you ever thought of the chance that the metaverse allows you to play a game against jordan yeah man that's such an interesting one isn't it because i totally can get something like cycling or running or whatever because it's just like a kind of rote activity you're jogging on the spot whatever um and i've done some very limited augmented reality stuff on the nintendo switch with exercise they have like an exercise game with a ring that's quite fun and, and quite impressive actually to gamify your exercise but you know maybe if we get good enough with this you can play like team sports you can you can play with a ball and you can throw the ball from place a to place b or whatever and that just seems absolutely incredible of like a, a technological achievement sort of thing yeah
0: Matt how would you feel about a virtual space where you could meet Elvis yeah well
1: <laughs> I've always wanted to meet Elvis Fred that's, that's oh, I'm oh, sorry just <laughs> Matt Elvis was this singer uh, that's right who's that again sorry yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um look that, that is that's that's kind of the other thing isn't it um Look, uh, that's interesting because I kind of wonder if if something like that is a little bit a little bit gimmicky or maybe something that maybe could be sold to people. But if I were to meet Elvis in in the metaverse, I'd just be thinking I was meeting an Elvis impersonator, right? Um, because someone's coded an Elvis for me to meet. Yep. But look, maybe maybe instead of fans of of Taylor Swift or, or whatever having to go to her concerts and, and travel thousands of miles from country to country to to finally see her, maybe celebrities and, and these people that, you know, are heroes to a lot of people could actually organise meet and greets in a virtual space that Absolutely. lets you connect with everyone right connect, connect over borders um and, and that's like i think that's really interesting i'm you know a little bit um, cynical sometimes about celebrity culture fred um but there are this is very important to a lot of people and so you know we've been talking about connecting people and i think that's a huge positive that the metaverse offers um be it connecting like people in a, in an exercise and physical context be it connecting people to your heroes or be it just connecting people to your friends family or work right so um one of the, my kind of, I guess, the most heartwarming promises of this to me is the ability for families in different countries to maybe be able to meet in the same room and see one another kind of thing. Um, it obviously isn't the same as... Uh, as meeting physically and i also recognize there's a real like challenge for age that goes on here fred um uh, i've actually got a lecturer at uni who works with implementing virtual reality in old people's homes and they often really really struggle with wrapping their heads around it so you know this isn't a a catch-all but say you have two people who know how to use virtual reality in the metaverse and they have and they're in different countries and they have the opportunity to physically be with one another that seems fantastic instead of just having to call people once a week and maybe that's a bit of a challenge maybe it's just not that satisfying um, this opportunity to connect people um, family, friends and even through work Um, seems fantastic to me.
0: What I think is really interesting with that, Matt, is with the technology at the moment that exists around translation, it's the capacity to connect with somebody on another part of the world that might not speak the same language as you. Yeah, yeah. So picture in a virtual space Mm -hmm. the idea of me speaking to a counterpart in Japan with a slight delay in the, the communication, not needing an interpreter and having... Uh, the AI interpret each of our languages so that we could have an interaction um, in near real time that we both understood from a business perspective, that's a game changer, From from a cultural exchange perspective, that's a game changer. But if you think about the idea of any environment uh, where there's coaching. So, for example, you may say, look, I really want to get my jump shot in basketball better. Yeah, yeah. And you're able to do that through, you know, the the biometrics that are available through scanners and wearables for a coach that might be from the American League, but in Slovakia at the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this stuff allows us to, in a way, in its best form, to shorten the distance between, you know, where we are and where somebody else is in real time. Yeah. And it's cost effective. So if I wanted to go to Harvard to do a course, there's a certain degree of expense to that. But I don't want to just do an online thing where I'm watching a a PowerPoint. I I want to sit in the real lecture, so to speak, and I want to be able to engage in group work. Well, this allows me to take that to the next level at its best and brightest. And we're not quite there yet. You talked about aged care, and you talked about the use of virtual reality. But I want to pose this to you, Matt. Parent people in aged care are the sort of people that saw the first flight, the first television broadcast, and all the rest of it. By the time you get to aged care, you'll have lived through every iteration of this technological advancement so that the idea of a virtual meeting when you're 85, and let's hope you live to be 150, (laughs) is probably not going to be as daunting as it is for someone now. Do you think that as we we use technology uh, and become more dependent on it, it's going to become more accessible for us as a way of, you know, just living life.
1: Yeah, oh, I definitely do think so. And look, I'm, I'm a bit against the phrase digital native sometimes because I think it can be used in a really broad way to describe all young people when there's a lot of, you know, class and gender and stuff that plays into who actually is a digital native and at our age. But... Um, I definitely think that it's absolutely true that young people are way more immersed and familiar with technology and that, that kind of is going to be guiding and influencing our lives for a, for a long, long time to come. So yeah, there's no doubt for me that this stuff is, is a bit more comfortable and, and convenient but, you know, I, I kind of would love to, to get a, a look into the future, Fred, because, I don't know, my, my dad's a reasonably tech-savvy um, person for his generation, and he still just kind of baffles me. I, I just want to say,
0: your dad and I are the same age, and I've, I've told you this before, we won't be insulted
1: by you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. And I'd
0: like to say that there are 12- and 13-year-olds now that look at you like... Well, that's exactly 20. right, right. So, <laughs> you know, it's all relative... But I I take your point in that this thing is moving quite quickly. Mm. And like the generation, two generations before us, where they saw the first flight take off and thought, geez, what does that mean? Uh, We're looking at something that will either become very interesting or wither on the vine, because we've talked about technologies in the past that have just simply not met the expectations of the consumer. And, And the reason I fear that the advantages of the metaverse won't necessarily come to pass are the fact that if it's led by corporations, if it's commoditized too much, it becomes a bookshop, not a library. For sure. And, you know, we can have a philosophical debate about the, you know, the internet and information exchange is a human right, which I believe it is, versus, you know, a, a paid service that, you know, you get as a privilege. I think our bigger issue is the idea that in a lot of places, even fundamental basic internet is not a real thing. So where we have it, I think it has great advantages. We've already explored where it can create ethical issues and where it can create problems for society. But ultimately, like all good technology, I think the upside pays more dividends than we would be getting without it, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I like your recognition that access to this technology is definitely stratified along class lines, along state lines, along access to wealth and internet and infrastructure. I think very much this this conversation is like the the brainstorming phase. We're definitely still in that, right? Of like, what could this do? And I've, I've really enjoyed this kind of chat about these kind of key positives. Like I think education, connecting people. We've talked uh, in the first episode a little bit about the ability to like shop in a in a virtual reality in a much more kind of convincing way maybe there is a a role for like people who are uh, who, who don't want to leave their house so much or whatever or maybe who for for whom physical mobility is a bit of a challenge to be able to, to shop and function in, in a virtual world more convincingly and also you can be um you know whoever you want to be a little bit on uh on these virtual worlds maybe that's another really important positive for like people's confidence and the way they feel about themselves that are uh, you know actually has a lot to offer instead of being a bad thing maybe the ability to be whoever you want could be a great thing for some people um yeah
0: yeah. i I certainly think that we have the capacity to allow people to explore in different ways Mm -hmm. i say this i don't believe a virtual space is a threat to the real world i believe if you're doing it you're in the real world yeah but I think uh, no amount of virtual experience is the same as going for a walk around the block yeah. or or tasting or touching those things that you would rather see. You know, We can all shop online, don't get me wrong, but the shopping centers are still full every weekend. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. Uh, I look forward to a time when you and I can go and be front row in the second concert That the beatles ever did (laughs) you know under blackpool lights Uh you know or the uh sergeant pepper album and just have an experience that time has removed our access to yeah yeah. um i'd love to see beethoven's uh you know presentations and the concert halls just once and i'm never going to get there because he died hundreds of years ago but with everything we know we may be able to replicate that in a virtual space to an extent where we get a sense of what it was like, and I think that's really powerful. I want kids to be able to walk on the moon, um, but I want kids from places where computers currently aren't available to walk on the moon, so that's kind of where we need to get to. Matt, this has been a fantastic series. Not an easy one for me, I must Mm. admit. You really tested me with this stuff.
1: Yeah, no, good you? You really got
0: that. I had to swim through a lot of concern and discontent and worry Mm -hmm. and... and, uh, (laughs) And I will say this in in researching this topic, I have noticed that there is a very real overlap between spiritual organizations demonizing access to technology uh, versus, you know, those practical, pragmatic souls that say, hey, we can teach doctors to to, you know, uh, repair a fractured cheekbone. Yeah. Without a fractured cheekbone, you yeah. know, and yeah. and I find it uh, that this technological debate, and I suspect for as long as humans are around and technologies around, this will go on is this idea of the, the changes in access to information scare a lot of people yeah. um, and they take the most extreme. They take the people with what they believe to be subversive intent and use that as the The gold standard of what's going to happen versus looking at a balanced argument and i think the metaverse like anything else is about balance and it's about access and it's about taking the the benefits um and weighing those up against the consequences yeah
1: yeah i think that's a really a really a really thoughtful way to take it this is definitely not going to be just good or just bad but i am kind of excited to see where it goes yeah Thank you again, Matt. Listeners, we'll be back next week with a different
0: topic altogether. This is the last of our three part series on the metaverse. I know people will have more queries and questions. We will put some references up in the uh, the links to this episode. and We also want to hear from you like subscribe and leave a review. Tell us what you want to hear and what you want to hear Matt and Fred talk about. We're interested in making this as interactive as possible. We know we have a really loyal listener base. Thank you to those loyal patrons of the uh, the podcast that jump on board every week and give us feedback through lots of forums. We want you to spread the word. Uh, Matt and I have big things planned for this year in our second season and look forward to doing this for as long as you listen. So have a
1: great day and that's it from If I Only Knew. Excellent. Thanks very much, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed it.
0: Thank you for listening. This podcast is a BetterPod group production, with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Lanch, the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is a podcast considered treatment, and in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through Triple Zero or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes, and the opinions Voiced by podcast hosts of theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and/or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Bedpod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.